Broadcasting from within the borders of the greatest success story the world has ever known, the United States of America. It's time for an honest discussion from a fresh, new conservative voice. The C.L. Bryant Show. Welcome back. Welcome back, everybody, throughout the fruited plains of the greatest nation on the face of the planet, the greatest success story the world has ever known, and that is America. You're listening to the C.L. Bryant Show right here over Red State Talk Radio and all the other platforms that we have, terrestrial as well as Loving Liberty and uh, Liberty Roundtable. I want to thank all of them for coming along with us on uh, a daily basis. Um, My guest uh, earlier in the first part of the um, show... First hour of the show. And if you don't get both hours of the show, you be sure to download the free C.L. Bryant show app onto your iPhone, Android device and um, your favorite device, whatever it is. And follow us every day, two hours a day from 12.05 in the East until 2 p.m. in the East every day. Certainly appreciate you coming along with us. Now, when I left, I was saying to you that there are reasons, there are reasons um, that uh, there are reasons why. Our young people uh are the way they are. Okay, there are reasons why our young people are the way they are. And um, one of the reasons that they are the way they are is because they are the product of what I'm going to term the timeout generation. Several generations of it now. Well, two, at least two generations of timeout now. And um, I, I, I was saying to you earlier in the show, the very opening of the show, that even though times were not better back in the uh, 30s and 40s, you know, 50s, all the way up to uh, the mid-90s, you know. Um, well, actually, things changed right after Vietnam in 74, uh, 1972, 74 in there. Things changed right after Vietnam. But we didn't immediately change as a people. We, that was a gradual thing that has led us to where we are. And the way we disciplined and uh, children and the way children responded to their parents began to evolve or maybe even devolve uh, in ways that we had not imagined at the time to where it has come today. 
I mean, you know, even even on sitcoms, um, even on cutesy commercials. I like this little commercial uh, where you have a little girl saying, my mom washes the dishes before she puts them in the dishwasher. So what does the dishwasher do? You know, cute. Yeah. But um, yeah, I mean, maybe maybe our generation <laughs> Well, one thing we didn't have any dishwashers. <laughs> very, very few people in my in my in my neighborhood. When I was growing up. We, we, I was the dishwasher. <clears throat> yeah. So, so you know, maybe you know there are some caveats there that can be overlooked, but it's not uh, what she's talking about the dishwashing thing. It's uh, the method, the how. Uh, this kid is is projecting that there's almost a uh, authoritarian uh, type of demand coming from a child. And this is par basically for the course. When you look at parent or child parent relationships in this country. There, there has been a shift in respect for authority. And the question that I have before you is uh, when and, and how did this take hold? When did this start? And I am saying that it started in the timeout generation. A generation that uh, did not really expect any swift and sure correction, but would be given the uh, penalty for their misbehavior as something called time out. You stand in the corner until I tell you to come out, and even though you may be uh, exerting your uh, authority, I dare you to turn your back on that kid who you say that's uh, supposed to be in timeout or whatever, or you send them to their room where all their stuff is, you know, I'm telling you, you spare the rod, you spoil the child, and you spoil the society the child uh, is engaged in. Yeah. In fact, if you don't discipline your child in, in the way that it's outlined in Scripture, Scripture tells you that you actually hate the child. You may not or may not believe this at all, but children, they don't uh, crave uh, abuse. Nobody does. Nobody craves abuse. Nobody craves being uh, disciplined by uh, corporal punishment or spanking or anything like that. Nobody craves that. But everybody craves guidelines and rules. And everyone, even though they don't realize it at the time, they need to be corrected when a norm is strayed from that has proven to be successful to a society. If we began to deviate toward things that uh, will hurt and have proven to be harmful to a 
let's just say it, healthy society, then there has to be correction. Uh, Things just can't be relative. Huh? Are you hearing me? Things just can't be relative. No, because that leads to decline. It leads to decay. And it leads to what I was talking about, uh, which what what happened in America from the 20s to uh, now. We are talking about a nation that has progressively and in a a so-called progressive manner come to a point where it does not really respect authority that is um, authoritarian. We we revolt and we uh, rebel against authority that presents itself as authoritarian. Oh, you can be a parent. I want you to hear me. You can be a parent, but you cannot be authoritarian. Not even over a child, a seven-year-old child, as a matter of fact, that has in its mind that even though the child is born a boy, it has decided, the child has decided that it wants to be a girl. And the mother of that child is so on board with the child uh, authority over itself that she as the parent is then willing to relinquish the parental wisdom over the child's so that little Johnny or whoever can be happy. Hmm? Because that is the most important thing. And it's not even happiness for a long period of time. It's happiness for now. Because the consequences and the folly of allowing a seven-year-old child to make decisions like the decision of transgender surgery for itself, you hate that child. Oh, you, you may call it love, but you hate that child because you are doing, uh, you are uh, abdicating your responsibility to nurture and raise the child with an with the ability to see both sides of an issue the child is raised with the idea that whatever i feel is right for me is right for me you hate that child if you let him get away with that and friends that is where we are today in today's society we actually many parents and of course, I didn't show any hatred for mine. <laughs> I, I disciplined mine when it was necessary. Oh, yeah. My, my mom and dad disciplined me when it was 
necessary. No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. That kind of kid where you had to just beat me every day. Although sometimes uh, it might have been well if they had uh, <laughs> been more uh, disciplinary than they were. My parents were were disciplinary. They were peach tree switch disciplinarians. No time out for me. No, no, no. If I did something that was so abrasive and uh, I, I had to go and get that peach tree switch, bring it back and let the whippings begin. No time out for me. There were no time out for my kids. No, but I did notice that um, when my oldest daughter Although, you know, (laughs) the oldest two daughters, uh, matter of fact, were raising their kids. They became timeout moms. Yeah. I don't know where they got it from, but I know that their friends were the same way. So maybe this lack of discipline of our children came in to our homes through their progressive liberal friends. You could blame them for that, but maybe not. But anyway, when we look at how our nation is beginning to shape up and we wonder, we began to wonder why the generation Zers and the millennials are the way that they are, I am saying to you, it's because they are the product. Why are they like that on college campuses? Why is their opinion the only opinion that they are wanting to listen to? It's because they have been programmed so effectively by their parents to have their way. Otherwise, they will pitch adult fits like they used to pitch on the aisles of Walmart or the grocery store or Macy's or Nordstrom's or wherever they happen to be. Huh? Because that is what we used to laugh about, isn't it? You should have, you, you and I both have had this conversation many times with our spouse or our children or our friends. Did you see, did you see that woman on aisle 10 there? That kid just laying in the floor, kicking and screaming. Did you see that? Oh my goodness. I would never let my kids get away with that. Which means that there were uh, things that you have seen that you considered a parent allowing their child to get away with it, not realizing that there's hundreds of thousands, if not millions of them who did the same thing, not even taking into account the parents who have not infused anything into their children. Is it any wonder 
that uh, the reception for the conservative message on college campuses is so much resisted is because it's not what they want to hear. Listen, um, I, I know um, it's a few couple of my grandkids, not not all of them. Uh, most of my grandkids eat whatever my children all eat. You know, they, they are not finicky. They're, they're not picky, picky eaters. Jane and I did not raise picky eaters. They ate what we uh, put in front of them uh, if they wanted to eat. <laughs> okay, <laughs> that, That's the way that was going to go. Yeah, they ate what we put in front of them if they were going to eat. And it's okay if you don't want to eat because I know that you're going to eat eventually. <laughs> you're, you're going to eat. And uh, so we never even worried about that. We just put food on the table the way our parents put food on the table, come and get it, or, hey, we're going to eat what we want and we're going to throw the rest away or give it to the dog, whatever. That's not the that's not the kids that many people raised in America. I'm not going to they pitch a fit if you put something on their plate that they didn't want. They'll have a fit. And that's what young people, our young people are doing today. They are expanding that fit throwing to the college campuses or whatever, because that is what they know they got away with in their homes. That's what that's what you're facing. That's why you're seeing this. So. um I know, hey, uh, that may be the most politically cor- uh, incorrect thing that I've said today, <laughs> but it's true. Uh, young people just didn't all of a sudden get like this. No. Young people have been groomed to reject you. You, even you conservative parents, if you have children like I'm describing, you have taught them how to teach, how to treat you. Huh? I know I'm telling the truth. You have taught them how to treat you. Oh, yeah. You have taught them how to treat you. And when you bring your conservative message because uh, they think you're nuts anyway. For uh, not being an Obama supporter. For not uh, embracing, you know, the LGBT community and the LGBT agenda. They think you're crazy anyway for voting Uh, Republican, how could you have possibly voted for Trump? They think you're crazy anyway. You're young people, but you have taught them how to think of you and how to treat you. You've let them get away with it by being a part of the timeout generation. Talk a little bit more about this when I return. I'm CL. Don't you go anywhere. Be right back.
Red State Talk Radio is now available as a voice command on your Amazon Echo and Echo Dot by simply saying, Alexa, play Red State Talk Radio. Red State Talk Radio on TuneIn. Turn to every single American. Now, we've been hearing all these stories about sanctuary cities, sanctuary cities that... You can now find us on the Amazon Echo and Echo Dot on TuneIn, on iHeartRadio, and we also have the phone apps in the App Store for your particular phone. And just in case we activated your Echo Dot, Alexa, stop. C.L. back with you on this great day in the USA as we build the bridge to conversation throughout our great nation right here over Red State Talk Radio and all of the other platforms that uh, we are on. I want to thank them uh, for uh, the opportunity of being on um, the terrestrial replay stations as well as Loving Liberty and uh, the Liberty Roundtable want to thank them and of course our flagship station red state red state talk radio the largest um talk platform number one talk platform in the country friends um a helpless a learned helplessness is what jonathan gilliam and i were talking about uh when he was on with me earlier in the first hour of the show a learned helplessness. And this is what actually um, the Xers, uh, not the Xers, but the, the millennials and the Gen, Gen Zers, Generation Zers, have um, in common and have learned from us because we taught them how to treat us by trying to give them as much as we possibly could give them, make their lives easier. Uh, the uh, social media platforms, all of that has been invented to continue in my estimation, because um, a person like me is, is at my age and others like me who are in my age bracket, the uh, 55 to uh, 85 crowd, well, um, we, we're pretty much set in our ways. Now we do, we are susceptible to fake news like anyone is because you're hoping that you can trust your news outlets, but you can't. And so you have to filter through everything that you see on social media. But I do encourage people in that 55 to 85 age bracket to be very active on social media. It's important that your voice is heard out there because it helps to balance that platform that is so um, prevalent and and uh, that our young people are so uh, adept at manipulating and using. You have to become just as adept at doing that, or you're not going to have a voice. I- I'm just telling you the truth. You- you're just not going to have a voice. As you begin to live longer in this country, if you want a voice... 
then you had better learn how to manipulate social media, how to use it uh, to the advantage of your message and what you are about, because young people are certainly using it uh, to their advantage and to promote what they are about. And if you look closely at what young people are about and what social media has become about and what people tend to like and trend, what the things that trend are not in any way, most of the time, weighty at all. It's usually something that's laughable. And make them laugh is exactly how we got here. By laughing at things that really were designed to socially engineer our society. And it has. It has. Uh, The image that America has of um, middle-aged white men was programmed into them during their youth through vilifying Archie Bunker. Are you hearing me? And by uh, laughing at an upwardly mobile black man like George Jefferson, who was angry all the time about something, but it was okay because he did it in an Afrocentric way. And he made, they made it humorous for a black man, well-to-do though he was, to be angry. They made that okay. That They made that even uh, a, a point of expectation. And it led also to the bigotry of what, George Bush, I think it was one of the, I think it was George W., called it the bigotry of low expectations. Now, uh, they may not actually uh, have used that phrase in the 70s, but that is where it was all spawned. What we are seeing here today, it was all spawned back then with the television sitcom. It programmed this current generation of parents to raise the type of children that would view middle-aged white men, all of them, as Archie Bunker. And it would create an environment where the expectation Of a black man, even though he was successful, he still had the right to be angry and he had the right to be abusive when it came to his viewpoint and treatment of middle aged white men. Oh, yeah, it was programmed into the society. We were right in front of your very eyes. You were being socially engineered. Yes, you were. And we ask ourselves, how is it possible, even though this is not 1970s or 60s or 50s, 40s, but how is it possible that race and racism is so prevalent 
in this day and time. It is because we brought it with us. Huh? We have brought it with us from the time of Archie Bunker and George Jefferson to the present. Those are the images that we have. And uh, uh, God forbid uh, that um, you are in a situation where you are called white folks a racist because they will surely throw in images of the Klan. And most um, white kid, most kids, black or white, college age today, have only seen Klansmen in and on television. In the uh, social media arena, they've only seen them there. They have never been confronted by a Klansman. They've never seen a Klansman in full regalia. They've never been called the N-word by someone who really uh, means it and knows what, what it means to say it. No. They've only had the hip-hop version of that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You see, if you've only had the hip-hop version of the N-word directed at you, and I'm talking about in the uh, from the uh, 2000s up to what, where we are now, the 2000, or, or mid-90s up to where we are now. If that's all you know of the, the N-word... And a uh, man used to, I mean, and the word police have made it the N-word. You can't, you're not supposed to say it in polite company anymore. But uh, <laughs> if that's all you've ever experienced, you don't know what you're talking about. You have no clue. And so we have programmed our children to treat us the way that they treat us because we have created this time out generation that have little respect for authority because the authority that they should be respecting relinquished its uh, gave up. It's the, 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 the thump, the clout in its authority. It's impotent. The authority is it's impotent. It's diminished. Yeah. It, it, the, the time out parenting generation, it led to a diminished respect for authority. That's why you see in New York City young people who find no second thought in pouring water on police officers. Huh? And the strangest thing, and, and I, I, I talked a little bit about uh, this police chief, Johnson, police chief Johnson in um, uh, Chicago, 
who decided that he was not going to go and uh, be uh, there today when the president spoke to the gathering of police chiefs in Chicago. The, the strangest thing is the progressive liberals have infiltrated even the highest levels of authority. And not only do you have a uh, softening of parental authority and diminishing of parental authority in the home, you have a uh, progressive liberal agenda that is so pervasive that it has indeed corrupted authorities' respect for itself. I don't think you're hearing me. What United States FBI agency or a person in a hierarchy in the FBI would possibly could how did it happen that they could possibly get to a place where they feel as though they should act not in defense of the American people but on behalf of the American people according to their political according to their own political ideology that's what happened with Peter Strzok and Comey and all of that. They got to a point where they were delu- self. They were de- um, deluded enough. They were they were delusional enough to believe that their actions toward a duly elected president that they didn't like was somehow, and this is how twisted it was, they thought they were being patriotic. That, my friends, is what you have to be very, very cautious of and concerned about. Because, face it, Comey considered himself a patriot. By, uh, hey, doing what he did. So did Peter Strzok and Lisa Page. They thought something, Brennan, Brennan, uh, James Clapper, in trouble, deep trouble. Thought they were patriots. And Clapper, hey, Obama needs to watch himself. And I, I'm telling you right now, and I noticed that uh, William Barr was in Chicago with the president. Are you hearing me? William Barr was in Chicago with the president. So they're not backing up or backing off at all. Not at all. James Clapper, when asked a few days ago about uh, 
his involvement in this Russia gate that is blowing up in the progressive liberals face. You know what he said? Obama, you better watch yourself. I know Obama must be absolutely livid. There may have even been a phone call by now uh-huh. to Clapper asking, hey, wait a minute, you can't, you can't say that. James Clapper said, how can uh, we be guilty of anything when Obama gave the okay? <laughs> oh, that's what he said. All this, this is just now beginning to, you see, the rats are going to not only attempt to jump off ship, but they're going to bite each other before they jump. That's what's happening right now. The rats are turning on each other. I say it all the time, and of course I get it from uh, my boss, the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Remember, don't forget this. As you sow, you shall reap. The impeachment of Donald John Trump is illegitimate. And so all of that mess that they were doing and something we would never have known about, those seeds that they planted, those seeds are coming up. And those seeds were planted, my friends, in order to create a mass delusion. And it really seems as though in so many ways that is exactly what Nancy Pelosi has achieved at this point in time on the Democrat Party, although it's not going to hold, is not going to hold because they're delusional. Somehow they think that the rest of America is on board with this. What they don't know is that even in corners of their own um, organization, there are people who are saying, this ain't right. Yeah. Even in the corners of their own organizations, are they saying, this ain't right? Yeah. And they're not going to vote for the candidate that the Dems put forward. Uh, There are a lot of people in the Democrat Party right now, unless the Dems come with a much more moderate candidate than those that they're looking at on those on those Democrat stages right now. They're not going to vote for that candidate. So. It's going to get interesting. And it is going to get. You thought I was worth saving. So you came and changed my life. You thought I was worth keeping. So you cleaned me up inside. 
Red State Talk Radio is now available as a voice command on your Amazon Echo and Echo Dot by simply saying, Alexa, play Red State Talk Radio. Red State Talk Radio on TuneIn. Turn to every single American. Now, we've been hearing all these stories about sanctuary cities, sanctuary cities that... You can now find us on the Amazon Echo and Echo Dot on TuneIn, on iHeartRadio, and we also have the phone apps in the App Store for your particular phone. And just in case we activated your Echo Dot, Alexa, stop. Stand up for America. Then Americans, stand up, stand up, stand up. God bless you. God bless America. CL back with you on the home stretch of the CL Bryant show here today. And I certainly want to thank all of you for coming along with us as we build the bridge to conversation throughout our great nation, the greatest nation on the face of the planet. The greatest success story the world has ever known, blessed by God from sea to shining sea. And that Judeo-Christian ethic, even though it is very much under attack and even though it is time now for Christian pastors of all stripes to stand up and wake up above all wherever you are and understand that uh, it is time for you to speak out against the purposeful trampling of our faith Yeah, I don't understand how you're going to stand by and say that uh, you're just going to preach the gospel from your pulpits and uh, not get involved, engaged in the political process, encourage your people to become involved and engaged in the political process. I don't see how you can do that if you claim that you understand who Christ was. If you claim to be a scholar of Scripture and you understand what the Sanhedrin Council was when Christ Uh, had his 33 years stint upon this earth, three and a half year ministry on this earth. He was engaged in opposition against him from the political and religious power within the Jewish community, the, the Sanhedrin Uh, Council, which made up of two groups of people, much like uh, political parties of today are Pharisees, Sadducees, Pharisees, Sadducees. Christ stood up against them. And they were the political powers of his day. Now, understand that his standing up to them did in fact, lead to his crucifixion. And this is where I want to talk to uh, Christian pastors here for a moment. And because, uh, listen, I I am one of you. I've I've pastored three churches and I've served uh, in other churches on their staff and, and, and boards and so forth. And so, this is what I have noticed. And let me let me share this with you. And I'm not talking to anybody that I'm not talking to. If it's not you, it's not you. And don't give me this thing. Well, you, you know, you shouldn't talk about pre. I'm not talking about anyone who doesn't need to wake up. If you don't need to wake up. Then I'm not talking to you. But there are some people who are asleep here when we need we have a we have a war going. It's wartime. 
It is a time when kings and pastors and ministers, uh, princes of the kingdom of God, should be at war. But like we're we're very much like David on the rooftop. That's what scripture says about David. It was a time when kings went to war, but David was not at war. He was on his rooftop looking down out over his rooftop and he's saying things he ought not see and it's causing him to do things that uh, he should not have done. And that's what's happening today. I have a feeling with too many of our Christian pastors, they are, should be at war, should be out to war against the enemies of the kingdom. But we're not, we're looking over at the pretty things and desiring them for ourselves, and our people suffer because of it. Yeah. And and, and so, uh, my friends, when we think about how we forget our purpose, and I, I love to quote this this thing, my, my pastor, James A. McMinnis, uh, says all the times, he says, uh, when you forget purpose of whatever it is, a family member, a wife, a child, uh, uh, an institution, whatever it is, when you forget its purpose, when you uh, stop thinking about what the purpose of that thing is, abuse of it is inevitable. When you forget purpose, abuse is inevitable. And America, that is why we are seeing an active abuse of ourselves and uh, an apparent and uh, an appearance of self-hatred in this country is because the purpose of who we are as Americans has by and large, especially on our Zers and uh, Gen X, uh, not Gen Xers, but millennials. The real purpose, the story of our nation has not been told. In fact, it's been modified. I said this, uh, all, I say this all the time, I'll say it again. You don't have to change the history books in order to uh, fundamentally change America. You just need to change the definitions of the words in the history books. And America will change. It is changing. And it's paradoxical in how it's changing because things that don't seem to go together or should not go together uh, in, in, in the same breath are actually being made to be cohabitants. And that is the love uh, for Islam. And that's where you Christian preachers need to wake up. And everything Islam is put into a special class and treated as a, a, you know, a white elephant. But on the other hand, you have everything that is gay, so-called gay, uh, being put into a class here, over here, and also treated like a white elephant. And that should give you a clear picture of just how warped and twisted 
America is. When you have two things that are uh, the Islamist, not not the religion, the the Muslim religion itself. Listen, you can be whatever you want to be in America. But if you're an Islamist, then you are xenophobic by nature. You don't like other people who are not. Americans are not like that, although that's what the progressive liberals would like for you to think about Christians. Christians are the least xenophobic people in the world. We, we must engage people who are different than we are. And all we have to do is let our light shine. And all you Christians out there who are feeling as though you have to go in and break arms and twist, uh, twist arms and all this type thing to get people to uh, believe it the way you believe it or, uh, or, or no, either your way or the highway, that's not Christ-like. It's not, never has been. Uh, we are to come out from, un, uh, from among you know, those who are unbelievers. But in the same breath, we're to engage them. We're in the world, but not of it. Huh? So while you're in the world, you let your light shine. You just be a Christian. But if you are an Islamist, you have to kill those who do not believe the way you do. That's a huge difference. But how is it that Christians are vilified for being the haters? We're not. Never have been. Shouldn't should never have been. There's been a lot of things granted. I will grant you this. There have been a lot of things that have been done in the name of Christianity that has nothing to do with Christ. And and I have said this to you before. I'm going to tell you again, because you need to understand exactly what's going on here. Most people have no problems with Christ. They have problems with Christians, so-called. Because many times people, the, the human frailty of just living, the conditions of just living, cause us to do things that we would ordinarily do or that we would naturally do because we're human. Are you hearing me? Because we're human. There are some things that we simply do. We're jealous. We're covetous. We'll lie on each other to advance ourselves. You know, it's true. Human beings do that. And so learned helplessness comes out of the way we teach people to treat us. The seeds that you plant come up as seeds of learned helplessness. And when you are in a helpless situation, well, naturally, you need somebody to do what? Help you if you are helpless. Strange thing about um, the difficulties of life. 
when you are a person who has that learned helplessness, you also are in a state of mind where it's easy to consider and think of yourself as a a victim. Are you hearing me? Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. Easy to think of yourself as a victim. Well, friends, it has been a jammed, packed day. We're working on getting a candidate for gubernatorial chair uh, office in Louisiana, Eddie Responi. On the show, I do believe tomorrow, Mike Johnson, Congressman Mike Johnson, state representative, District 4, the great state of Louisiana, my home state, uh, will be with us. I believe that. And um, looking forward to having him on with us, doing everything we can to make certain that Donald John Trump is reelected president of these United States. Friends, any Democrat, anyone that they put up to run for president of the United States is unacceptable. You you have to know that. I certainly hope they get their worst nightmare handed to them. And, and she will not go away. She will not be quiet. And she just may. She just may try and run for president again. She may ha- somehow think that the third time is a charm. I hope that they get their worst nightmare and Hillary Clinton <laughs> decides to run for president. <laughs> oh, boy, that would be fun. Well, I want to thank God for bringing us to the close of yet another day, and I want to thank him for our men and women in uniform around the globe who defend our right to speak our minds. And until I'm able to talk to you again, I'm CL, and my heartfelt desire is that God will bless and keep you all. Mm-hmm.